for everybody that's watching online. Can we just put our hands together for everyone that's online, still tuning in? We haven't forgotten you. And we're so pleased that you switched on and we believe that God is going to speak to you just like you would be in the room. Maybe just even more powerful, just right in your room at home or if you're on the go, listening on catch-up. Hey, listen, if you're watching it, if you're listening on catch-up, it doesn't mean that it's going to be less anointed. God can speak to you. The Spirit isn't just in a building. He's on the go. So God bless you if you're online. And I'm so pleased to be here. I thank Pastor Mark and Kathy for entrusting me with their congregation today because, and you know what, I don't take it lightly. I am really honoured. Why don't we just pray for them today? Pray, God, thank you so much for Pastor Mark and Kathy, and we thank you that they are right where they need to be today with their grandkids, their twins that are getting dedicated to you. God, we thank you for their commitment to your family, the church family, and their own family, and we ask that they would be energised today as a family and so eager to get back with us. In Jesus' name, bless them. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, I was so expectant about coming, and uh, thank you so much for the introduction. I am Becky, I'm from Luton, and uh, I think you met my husband a couple of months ago, if you were around. His name is Mike, and he came and preached to you, and it was great when he came back home, he was like, come on, let's watch KT, their worship is amazing there. So I had to sit down and listen, and it wasn't a chore, I'm telling you, it was great. And I'm so pleased that you got to meet him. Together, we have three kids. We have Judah, Asa, and Ida Grace, who is three. She's our youngest. And I was telling the first service, you know what? On a Sunday morning, it's chaos. It's absolutely chaos. We don't kind of strut into the house of God with everyone in a nice, neat row in our house. It's like, I don't know, we've been up probably four hours before church. Anyone else in the building with lots of kids trying to get them to church? And we'll be shouting, get your shoes, brush your teeth, brush your hair. Sometimes we run out of time, so we've just got to pick one thing that we're going to brush as a priority. And then we'll be in the car, but I don't want to come to church, Mom. I don't want to do it. I'm like, we've got to. You have to. Well, you're going to have to get me a slush puppy after the service because I came with you. And then we're like, oh, be quiet. Everyone be quiet. Shh, I need to be anointed. I need to be holy. Stop me shouting because I've got to preach in a minute. And then you know what? As soon as I'm done, someone will be waiting at the bottom of the stage for me to go take them to the toilet. It is manic. And so I thank you so, so very much for giving me the morning off because I just rolled out of bed and I got here today. Hopefully my church family are looking after them all. Um, I get asked a lot, you know, how do you juggle ministry and family? And the answer is we don't. We're just, we're just going with the flow. And, you know, today my title for you is Keep the Flow. Amen. Keep the Flow. And, you know, whenever I think of KT, I think of you as a holy, spirit-filled church. And you know what? I wanted to be prepared today, not just in word, but I wanted to come ready dressed. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the shop. I'm going to get myself a new blouse for KT. And I am not a great shopper. My mom is the shopper. If you ever want to go on a shopping trip with her, you need to make sure you take your water and your bread because it's long. But I do need to keep being fed and watered if you want me to carry on shopping. But I was like, this is a necessity. And I was there for an hour and a half. I could not find a thing. And then... I saw this blouse. And I was like, that blouse says KT. It's fierce, 
It's fiery, and I don't know what it is about your church, but when I think about your church, I think about the fire of God, and I think about the Holy Spirit. I've only been to your church once in my life, but we just all, you know what? We all know it about your church. I called up my brother last night. I went, to like my blouse? He went, very KT. See, we know. People around the place know of your church, and we know what it is that you carry. You're a Holy Spirit fire-filled, fierce church. And today, I don't so much want to look at the metaphor of the fire of the Holy Spirit, because I think that's something that you're known for, but I today want to talk about the water of the Holy Spirit, which can be so equally powerful. It says in John that you're to come to me, all that are thirsty, Come to me, and anyone that believes in me, they will be filled, and there will be streams, rivers of living water flowing from your heart. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that is flowing with the streams of the Holy Spirit's water. I want to be someone that is quick to go and take a drink from the Lord, someone that doesn't go thirsty for very long, someone that doesn't go very long before knowing I need to go get a drink from my king so that I can be on fire and I'll be ready to go. And there's three types of swimmers that came to mind today for you, and there's three sort of swimming positions. And the first one was this, some of us were swimming like this, that we're swimming really strong, but we're swimming against the flow, and we're swimming against the current, and we're forcing our way through, and we're kind of like fighting with the Holy Spirit, and we're not letting him have his flow, because we're like control freaks. Anybody else a control freak in the room? Just me and you, sister, we'll hook up. It's just, and there's someone at the back. But sometimes we just like everything to be in order and everything to go in the 10-year and 15-year plan that we've got. And sometimes we don't leave any space or any room. And we get good, you know, sometimes at building up our muscles and handling it all ourselves. But that's not the way that God intended us to flow. Another way that we can swim is we can be the complete opposite. We can be so laid back, we're just floating. Like drifting. And see, the problem with being a floaty swimmer is that you can sort of be lulled and drift off to sleep. And you know, the enemy would love nothing more than to get you to take a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and go off to sleep. Because you know what happens when you're floating? You don't have any sort of kind of direction or any intent about the way you're flowing. You're just saying, I'm open. Anyone come and take me where you want me to go. And actually, no, God, God in the Holy Spirit is very intentional about how they want you to flow. And so we need to sometimes just wake up out of our slumber and out of our floaty kind of swimming position. And then the last position that I, that I got that came to mind was this one. It's not that you are a forceful swimmer. It's not that you're a floaty swimmer. And it's, it's more so like you're a swimmer that can barely keep afloat. Like you're above the waters, like choking, trying to keep the water out. You're flashing and flashing and like making a mess of all the water. And you're exhausted and you're burnt out. And you're like, God, I've lost my footing and I can't keep up. And there's so much going on. And you know, neither of those ways are what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to be a forceful swimmer. He doesn't want you to be a floaty swimmer. He doesn't want you to be a swimmer that can barely just keep afloat. He wants you to be someone that keeps the flow in the rhythms of his grace. Amen? Amen. 
And so what we're going to do today is I'm just going to give you a few little tips or a few little stepping stones that I have found to help me keep my foot in and keep my flow in the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to Genesis. If you've got your Bible, you can go there. But if not, I will just tell you the story in my own words. But I encourage you, go look it up this week or later tonight so that you can make sure what I told you is in the Bible. But in Noah, I thought he is the best guy. Who else is better to teach us about how we can keep our flow when he's the one that navigated a big ark above the waters of one of the biggest floods known to earth? He carried that big floating zoo across those waters so we can get some tips that we can draw from him. And so the first thing is this. We find Noah in this account. We find him in a situation where the world has got so corrupt like it is so bad, it's toxic. And the Lord, he, he looks across his world and he's like, where can I find a righteous person? Who can I find that is hungry and wants to live in the flow that I have ordained for them? And he could only find Noah. I would hope today as God would look across KT that he would find so many people, so many hungry people that go, you know what, I am up for it, Lord, I want to, and I desire to live my life in flow of you. That's what it looks like to be a righteous person like Noah. And so the Lord said, okay, Noah, we're going to build a boat. And the first thing we need to remember is if we're going to be a people that keep our flow, we've got to do the trust build. Everybody say trust build. I think you could do better than that. And online, join in. The trust build. I told everyone in the first service, I used to be in children's ministry. I still try and get in there from time to time as well. So I do expect you to make noise and talk back to me. I don't like to feel like I'm on my own. But the trust build. And this is what we need to remember is God was calling Noah to build a boat. People around him might have been like, Noah, what are you doing? Noah, that doesn't make sense. There's no water. Noah, why does it have to be so long and so big? Why are you building cages and zoos? Like, you haven't got any animals. You can't keep lions for pets. I think Noah has lost the plot. And sometimes when we're building, not just building, but trust building, it might not make sense to people around us. And in the account of Noah, we start to read, this is a bit that I normally skim over, but we start to read the measurements for how the art's got to be, how long, how wide, and the materials that Noah's supposed to use, and the methods. And I normally skip over it, but in that moment, I was like, no, I've got to stick with this. Because what I was reminded of is that when you do the trust build, God will give you the exact materials. He'll give you the exact materials and measurements and methods in order to build what it is he's calling you to build. People that are in a work profession right now today, you might have a method that you're not quite sure whether you're supposed to use it. You might have a measurement that you need to bring to the team, but you're like, but I don't think they're going to get it. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling you and giving you and downloading to you his method. It might be different. It might be a bit quirky, but it might be that he is calling you not just to build, but do the trust build. And sometimes we've got to step out and start building and taking that leap of faith, even when it doesn't make sense to everyone else around us. And so he built away and he had his methods and he had his materials. And you have to be careful that some people might want to force their materials on you. Oh, no, well, why are you not supporting the local businesses by using, you know, our materials? Why, why are you using those materials? You don't need waterproof. And he was like, no, I need to focus on what God has called me to build. I need to do the trust build. And sometimes we can become distracted from our build because we can look to our right. And see our brothers and sisters that are not of faith being more successful. 
We're like, but God, they're not doing the trust build. They're just building. But they're doing really well and they're being fruitful. We shouldn't be alarmed when we see people that are not in the church and not believers of Jesus doing well in life. Because we are all sons and daughters of the king. And so we all inherited his giftings and his anointing. And some people are operating in some great gifts and great anointing. They don't even know where it came from. But it doesn't mean that they're necessarily not going to be successful here on earth. So please don't ever get discouraged when you think, well, I'm trusting God. I'm building in the way he, he's told me to. But my neighbor who curses God is doing really well. We're not just building for this side of earth. We're building for a longevity. We're building for an eternity. And we're doing the build of God, trusting in him. You see, when we trust build, we're not just building for him. We're building in him and through him. God doesn't want you just to build for him. He wants to build in you and through you together. And the last thing I'm going to say on this point is that if you are building Without any rest, without ever putting the tools down, you're not builders, you're like slaves. And God did not call us to be like that. He's like, do not work yourself to death, especially in my name. See, when you just keep building and building and go, well, I've got to hold this thing up and if I take my hand away, it's going to fall down and it needs me to keep going, staying up all night and burning the midnight oil and keep going and keep going. What you're saying is, I put my trust in me and not in God. When we don't take a breather, when we don't rest for the Lord, we can't sit and be built up ourselves. See, when we rest, we are still doing the trust build, but we're doing the internal building in ourselves. Amen? Okay, second point that we learned from Noah. The first one, we're going to keep our flow. We've got to do the trust build. The second one is we've got to do the shut-in. The shut-in or the lockdown. And there's a passage in the scripture that when Noah had finished building the boat, he then had to get in the boat. See, the first step helps us trust God. Building the boat helps us trust God. But when we are obedient in getting in the boat, we can also then inhabit what it is that we've built. And there's a passage that said, and then Noah, he was getting all the animals, he was getting his family, they got in the boat, and then the Lord shut him in. The Lord shuts him in. I remember reading that as a young person and going, Lord, whatever happens in my life, would you please, God, help me to be forever shut in on the right side of your will? God, I don't want to ever be shut out of your will. I want to be shut in, close me, turn the key and throw it away because I always, always want to be on the inside of your plan. I want to be on the intel of what's going on. And what we have to be careful of is that sometimes when God shuts us in on his will, sometimes we feel like God has shut us out because it's a bit lonely in here and it's a bit cramped in here and it can smell a bit in here and I can hear that there's stuff going on outside but I'm shut in. I'm like, God, why have you isolated me? And what we've got to remember is that not everyone wants to be obedient to God. And when there's times when we feel like God's shut us out, maybe, just maybe, he's got you right where you're meant to be. Amen. Amen. We've got to keep our flow. We're going to keep our flow. We've got to remain shut in, locked into the will of God. And then the third stepping stone is this. It's the rainfall and the floodwaters. 
See, when the rain came, when he heard that rain, I bet there was a moment of relief. Oh, yes, God did what he said he was going to do. Yes, I'm not going crazy. There is going to be a flood. A moment of refreshing. And we, we sing the song, open up the heavens, pour out a blessing. Lord, I need refreshing till it's overflowing. And sometimes we're so happy for the rain and the breakthrough to come. But sometimes we're not always willing to have the flood that comes with it. See, we were taught in Sunday school, Noah was in the ark and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And then I thought that was it. That's where the story ended. I was like, oh, those 40 days and 40 nights must have been really hard. But, you know, actually, that was just the rain part. What came next was a longer season where he was then going to be in the midst of the flood. I reckon, I think some scholars say that he, it would have been over a year that Noah was in that ark. And sometimes, by that point, we've got tired. And the animals are now not doing what they should do. And the people that God's put me on the boat are not doing what they should do. And the things that we prayed for and we pray for the breakthrough for can be the things that we then start to complain and moan about. Oh God, it's too much. God, we just take back and sort out this spouse of God. God, sort out these kids that I've got. God, this job is driving me crazy. And they can be the exact things that once were a rain of a relief moment. And we've got to be a people, if we keep our flow, we've got to be the people that can go, yes, I'm ready for the rain and the flood. Because what the flood does, it's just us marinating in the rain. And then it comes to our fourth stepping stone. And this comes directly after the flood. It's the mountain peaks. See, when Noah, he looked out of the window, as the flood started to reside, he saw the mountain peaks. And sometimes you don't realise how far and how high the floods are elevating you when you're shut in. Because you can't always see clearly with your vision. But what it was saying was that the floodwaters have even taken Noah higher than the mountain peaks. Because he only began to see them as the floods came down. And in this season of lockdown that we had for so long, we have no idea how much God was strengthening you. How high God was taking you. All that he was teaching you. First thing I did when I got here is I ran up to the top of your building. You have got a very high building. You guys that are on the back row up there, that is steep. Give me a wave if you are on the top of a row somewhere in here. Wave down, I'm waving at you. You see, we think we sometimes go at the back and no one will see us. But I can see all of you. And you're at the peak of the church. And this is just an imagery of how high the floodwaters can take us when we are in them, we allow God to do the work there. And then the fifth point is this. It's in the bird repetition. Because as the floods were going down, Noah, he sent out a couple of birds. He sent out the raven and the dove. And they did this repeating thing where he sent them out. And the raven, he was going to and fro, to and fro. And then the dove, he only went out twice and then came back with hope came out with an olive branch in his beak. And sometimes we get tired with the to and the throwing and the to and the throwing of life. And I tell you, we can keep our flow even in the repetition of life. Well, I just go to work, I come home, I eat, I sleep, I pray, I just come to church, we just worship all the time and then we listen to someone and then we go home and then I just, you know, worship never gets old. You know, 
Our life doesn't have to be mundane. See, God can still be powerful and you can still keep your flow in the repetition and the rhythms of life. God can still use you mightily. And this is what I got from the raven. We don't always talk about the raven because the dove seems like it's the star of the show because he brought back some goods. But actually, I need to home in on the raven for a moment. So the raven went out first and it almost prepared the way for the dove. Because, you know, ravens, they're from the scavenger family of birds. And when that flood had gone, there would have been so much muck and mess and residue on that planet to clear up. And so it's like the Lord sent out the ravens first. And ravens, they're drawn to mess and they consume up the mess. Where doves, they don't like to get wet. They don't want to get dirty. But the ravens, they're resilient and they're robust. And that's why I think they were going to and fro and to and fro across the earth, doing a mass clean-up job to make way for the new life that was coming. And this is what we have to remember. Isn't that just a perfect image of Jesus? That he came like a raven and he went to and fro across this earth with us, enduring everything that a human endures. And he tidied up our mess. He cleaned up our mess for us so that we didn't have to. The raven is so powerful. We have to be resilient like the raven. And then the dove comes in. And it's like the symbol of new, fresh life. And he sat on Noah's window with that fresh bit of olive in his mouth. And Noah could have just looked at that and said, oh, isn't that pretty? But there was purpose in that. You see, sometimes we can feel so down or low in life that we can be like, God, if someone just was sent to clear up our mess, and if someone could just throw me an olive branch, I might be all right. And Jesus is like, I have already cleaned up your mess and I've already thrown you an olive branch. Don't just sit in the ark and take the olive branch and go, oh, doesn't that look pretty? Because eventually that will wilt. And we're not supposed to live in yesterday's freshness or yesterday's leftovers. We're supposed to take that as a sign to go, you know what? It's ready to get up, get dressed and show up and move on out of the ark. Because then I can have the whole olive tree. Why settle for just the olive branch that somebody gave you when you yourself can get your hands on the entire olive tree? And this brings me to my last point, and worship team, Fumi, please come back and join me. The last point is this. After we have the bird repetition, there's the rainbow effect. And I've called it the rainbow effect because sometimes we don't let the rainbows that God sent us have much of an effect on us. Sometimes when we've seen one, seen two, seen a three, they can start to lose their awe and wonder. I've seen a lot of rainbows in my time, and I think there's been a moment in my life where I was like, oh, yeah, there's a rainbow. And actually, are you the kind of person that when you see a rainbow that comes after the rain, are you like, that's it, there's the covenant, there's the promise, everybody stop what you're doing, get around, let's get the phones out, let's take a picture, let's look and own this moment, and this is a massive reminder. We sang about it earlier that we have got a covenant-keeping God. And in this moment, he was putting, the Bible says, put a bow in the sky. You know what I think God was doing in that moment? I think he was saying, you know what? The rain's come, and I'm going to show you a sign. I'm going to show you something that you can see with your own eyes and be awestruck in to just remind you of my promise. It's like he was saying... I know that even after this big clear-up job, I know you're still going to mess up, Noah. 
But you don't have to worry. I am going to make this covenant today with you. That I am never going to flood the world again. So he was saying, I don't expect you now to keep it all squeaky clean and tidy. I don't expect you that as you're going along the stepping stones of life, keeping your flow, that one day you might not just miss a step and fall down. He was saying, look, before that even happens, before you start going about your business and start making a mess like you do because you're my kids, I'm going to put this reminder up, this stunning reminder for you to be reminded, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. And Noah, something he did after, he went and built this and grew this massive vineyard. And it was lovely. And I think he was going to town with that inspiration from the olive branch. But he spent one too many days in there and he got a bit drunk on his vineyard. Not only did he get drunk, he got naked and passed out. And I just think, isn't it so like God to go, remember the rainbow, Noah? Don't stay down just because you've made a mistake. There are going to be, I just love the Bible because it's full of people that make mistakes. It's full of people that are doing things like getting naked and getting drunk and, you know, it's in the Bible, all of it. And it's a reminder and encouragement to us that we are going to mess up. We're going to be going about life and we are going to trip sometimes. We are going to get knocked down sometimes. We are going to fall to our knees. But when we fall to our knees, could we just be reminded of the rainbow that's in the sky, the covenant that he made? And let us not just be on the knees because we're shamed and we're feeling like our pride's hurt and our confidence has gone now because I messed up and it was my fault and, oh, they're mocking me because they saw me naked. Just can we, while we're down here, go, you know what, I'm not down here feeling shameful. I'm down here going, you know what, God? I remember your humility that you came down as low as me to earth. And that you came to rescue me so that you could put this covering over me, that you could put a bridge over so that I could have a way to get back up and walk over even when I make mistakes. And so next time, there was a great lady in the first service. She came up to me after and she showed me a picture of a rainbow on her phone. Next time we see the rainbows, would we be reminded of his covenant? Would we be reminded of his power? Would we be reminded of his grace, his fresh mercies that are here for us every single day? Would we be reminded of his humility and how awestruck we are that he didn't have to make that commitment, let alone a covenant with us? He didn't have to do it, but he did. He made a covenant, and a covenant means that it cannot be broken. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're online, listen closely. It doesn't matter what you have done. You are never too far away from his love and from his grace. That rainbow, you can never find the end of it. Why? Because it never runs out. You can never find the end of it because he doesn't run out on his favor on your life and his grace and his love. And he's like, I've got you covered. Remember, there was two, you had three sons. One laughed at him. When you get knocked down, there'll be people that laugh at you. But God will always send in people to cover you. Cover you. 